entrepreneurship identity is kind of like Venom from the Marvel comic book universe. You'll end up eating brains. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Although it may do a number on your critical thinking skills. So when did we shift from entrepreneurship as something we do to someone we are? And what is that doing to us? Let's get into it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo. And I am super pleased to bring to you today another research paper. I know, I know. You're like, Ruthie, I was not expecting to be this excited about research papers. But after last week's episode, I'm pumped. If you haven't listened to last week's episode on the entrepreneurship industry, I highly suggest you do that. But if you want to go ahead and listen to this episode first, totally fine. They're both standalone. It's not a series. But this research paper is actually what led me to last week's research paper, but I felt like I needed to cover the entrepreneurship industry first before I covered entrepreneurship as an identity. So this particular research paper is called Toward an Entrepreneurial Economy, the Entrepreneurship Industry and the Rise of the Voblenian Entrepreneur. Yep, Voblenian. That's what I said. I know it sounds like the name of like an alien race, from the planet Voblen, but it's not, and it's going to make sense, I promise. So this paper is by Rasmus Koss-Hartman from the Copenhagen Business School, Andre Spicer from the Bayes Business School at the University of London, and Anders Dahl-Crab from Stanford University. So before we get into all of that, I've got a couple of hard pills for you to swallow first, okay? Just keep that in mind as you're listening to everything that I say in this episode as you're, you know, mentally engaging with the content. This isn't something that is easy to take in. It's not. Okay. So first hard pill, most entrepreneurial ventures fail. They fail. Either they don't see profitability, they they languish for years and years before they finally shut down, or they're never purchased if that was actually the goal. A lot of tech ventures are started with the goal of them being purchased, and then they just don't. And then most businesses take two to three years to see profitability. And one survey that I found for information entrepreneurs, which fits the bill for many of us, actually didn't show profitability for five years. And when we talk about entrepreneurial ventures failing, I'd like you to consider how many times you've pivoted to offer something else, right? And so each of those probably could be considered an entrepreneurial venture Even if like in my case, I've been in the marketing space, but I used to operate as a freelance content writer and then as a content agency owner, but I don't do that anymore. So that was the end of that venture. So just understand that's kind of how I'm viewing things. 
So I first heard about this paper referenced in the Duped podcast, and it talks about the dark side of online business. And I absolutely love that podcast. It's hosted by Dr. Michelle Mazur and Maggie Patterson. Again, it will be linked in the show notes. I definitely want you to go check it out. As I was listening to those episodes, I felt completely validated. I had to message Dr. Michelle on LinkedIn being like, y'all were like, we were here. We were vibing across time and space. Like we were sharing, you know, impressions and ideas. And oh my goodness, I would love to have a conversation with the both of them. But this paper talks a lot about entrepreneurship as a form of conspicuous consumption instead of innovation-driven economic activity. And in the paper, the authors tied Voblenian entrepreneurship, right, this conspicuous consumption style of entrepreneurism, to the increased failure of entrepreneurial ventures. And that is because people are becoming entrepreneurs because they are in love with the identity of the entrepreneur, with the idea of the entrepreneur versus actually wanting to be an entrepreneur versus actually having an idea that they feel really needs to be taken to market. They would be an entrepreneur for pretty much anything as long as they could be an entrepreneur. And this allows them to mimic a lot of the activities that innovation-driven entrepreneurs will engage in, but for completely different reasons. And it's those reasons that contribute to the failure of their ventures. So what is conspicuous consumption? So in the 1899 book, The Theory of the Leisure Class, Thorstein Vuben described consumption as being an obvious, ostentatious display of wealth instead of consumption for utility, i.e., I need a car, so I buy one, you know, just any old car that you see on the road. But in terms of conspicuous consumption, I want, oh my goodness, my dream car, y'all, Ooh, I want a Corvette. I want a Corvette, a spider, sexy, it's got to be red. That would be, that would be me conspicuously consuming in terms of my car. So I'm not buying because of how I can use it. I'm buying because I want to use it, maybe, but also because I want to display my wealth. And so this is social signaling of your value, right, as an individual or for your family or for your company, social signaling of your value. And it requires an audience to receive the signal. So not to go off on a tangent, I'm not going to I'm not going to go down this tangent, but I am going to leave this to plant in your brain since it's now taking root in mine. But I wonder how, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure it has, but I guess I, I would be interested in additional research on how social media, especially platforms like Instagram or Pinterest, which are very visual, contribute to one's need to conspicuously consume as a way of showing the world and getting validation of their value. Okay, so how does this show up in entrepreneurship? So first of all, this is where we start to really examine the binding of entrepreneurship into our identities, right? Be the person who achieves your vision. It was this very idea that got me to spend an additional 18K after spending 10K with a company, a business coaching company, and I still hadn't yet seen results. 
I thought I was supposed to be the person who achieves my vision. So I was supposed to visualize myself in the future and who and how I would be when I achieved my goals and to bring that person into my present to help manifest and materialize my vision. And so I felt like I needed to consume like an entrepreneur in order to build the identity and then build the business of that person, right? And so the study calls this Voblenian entrepreneurship. And I I think when we talk about bro marketers, we're in, in, you know, in a way we're talking very much about these Voblenian entrepreneurs. But the thing about bro marketers is that they are Voblenian entrepreneurs in the entrepreneurship industry. How's that for some inception, huh? Coachception, right? And so that leads to the question then. And this is a question I'm going to bring up more than once. And if you bristle at this question, if you feel yourself mentally bristle, if you're like, of course, Ruthie, of course, not me. I really need you to sit with it. I need you to write it down. And I need you to critically evaluate your emotional and mental response to this question. Do not throw it out. Because, and I'll just, I will ask the question and then I'll get vulnerable with you. (laughs) But does your business like through your business, did you actually create something legitimately new or was it just for others to conspicuously consume that they could say, oh, I, you know, I'm in this person's program or whatever, but did you actually create something new or if we're being honest, could anyone have offered that? And I think that in past forms and past evolutions of my own business, I think that there were at least parts of it that were kind of part of conspicuous consumption for some of my clients. Now, I'm not saying I didn't help them. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying I don't think that I legitimately created something truly new. I had intellectual property and name only, i.e. I developed a, a process, developed, I researched a process, and then put a fancy name on it that was mine, that was my name, but it was really intellectual property and name only. Okay, and again, I'm not saying that I didn't help my clients, that they didn't get value, but upon reflection, I can't say that I legitimately created something new. All right, and so just keep that in mind. I got vulnerable with you, and now I need you to get vulnerable with yourself. Through your business, did you create something legitimately new, or was it just for others to conspicuously consume? So keep in mind as well that when we choose to invest in programs, programs come with a built-in audience, which is part of the requirements for conspicuous consumption. Because when we enter into a program, it's with the impression that all of us paid that same amount of money to be in here, right? So we just socially signaled to every single person in the in the program. So now that and that was actually part of it. In uh, one of the programs that I was in, they would do this big announcement post when you join and they'd be like, yeah, everybody, you know, welcome Ruthie. She was an army veteran and she was doing this and she's doing that. She's going to totally crush it. And so it was kind of part of the social signaling aspect, but also gave every, you know, gave them an opportunity to love bomb me just as I spent this money, you know, and probably, you know, I was kind of fighting some, some intuition things at that point, but it overcame that because of love bombing. If you want to learn more about cult tactics and coaching programs, go listen to that collection, the cult coaching collection. But this is really twisty because we're in the entrepreneurship industry professionally, but we're also consuming the entrepreneurship industry's ideas and concepts, right? We are serving the Kool-Aid while drinking the Kool-Aid, right? And so the entrepreneurship industry, it's, it's raison d'etre 
right? It is for people to start more ventures. And in the entrepreneurship industry podcast episode, the one just before uh, this solo episode, we talked about how the consumption of goods and services from the entrepreneurship industry did increase entrepreneurial activity. Research shows it increases entrepreneurial activity, but seems to have a negative impact on entrepreneurial outcomes, i.e. you perform worse. Now, the entrepreneurship industry thrives if more people start ventures. And customer lifetime value goes up if those ventures need more help. So these companies, the entrepreneurship industry, of which I'm a part of, and if you're listening to this podcast, you may very well be a part of if you're a business coach, consultant, business service provider, customer lifetime value of those ventures continue needing help. So at some point along the way, we became indoctrinated to believe that this is who we are instead of something that we do. And how do I know, right? How do I know? I know because I was indoctrinated into an organization so well that it became my identity. I used to be in the Army. I was in the United States Army for eight and a half years, and I joined right out of high school. You know why recruiters like to hang out at high schools? They recruit from high schools because our identities are not yet solidified. I was 18 years old. I had values. My parents had, had given me some really good values, but my identity was not yet solidified. And so by going through basic training and going through my advanced individual training, it was an opportunity for the Army to fuse being a soldier to the very core of my identity. And they did a wonderful job or terrible job if, you know, you consider some of the negative effects. But but check this out. I'm only going to do part of this. I'm not going to punish my civilian friends by making them listen to the whole thing. But the Soldier's Creed. I am an American soldier. I am a warrior and a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and live the Army values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. And just because I feel like being rebellious, I'm actually not going to finish it. And my veteran friends, if this upsets you, sorry, not sorry, but I'm not in anymore. And it's not a part of my identity anymore. In in most cases, I'm not sure that it's ever going to be completely un like entangled with who I am. But that's my point is that I know what it feels like from to have what you do become who you are. I was a soldier and that was part of my identity. And when I got out in 2015, I struggled because nobody told me who I was supposed to be now that I was out. I thought that I was going to get out when they forced me out, not because life circumstances indicated or dictated that I get out early. So as an entrepreneur, and as a person in the entrepreneurship industry, how certain are you that your decisions stem from an actual desire, want, and calculated move to further your venture instead of the survival of your entrepreneur identity? We romanticize entrepreneurship through selectively portraying failures that lead to success. And oftentimes, we will use failures to write out our hero's journey which we then use to fuel our marketing, which is targeted at other business owners, right? Validating their struggles. And what does this look like? It looks like when we talk about, uh, you know, I was, I was speaking with Humaira, a, a business strategist, a brand strategist friend of mine. And we were talking about the founder of Spanx, uh, Sarah Blakely. And we were looking at her story, right? And the way it's portrayed, it's always like, you know, she was 
every, you know, the every man entrepreneur concept, right? But, you know, if you actually read her profile and read her background, it's not to say that she didn't work hard, but there are things in her story that are not like other people's stories. And we have to take those factors into account, but that doesn't tell as great of a hero journey, so we leave it out. So again, people see themselves in those stories and it validates their struggles because they're going through similar struggles. But this validation comes at a price. And that price is us not knowing when to quit. (laughs) And what I mean by that is that you did not carefully evaluate your venture to determine its viability before you moved forward. You're not continually evaluating it to see if it's still the venture that you need to move forward with. And then you also develop a sunken cost bias, a logical fallacy. You develop a sunken cost, or no, it's a cognitive bias, but you develop a sunken cost bias, right? So you've invested so much into it, you feel like you can't quit. But entrepreneurs, on average, make less than their employed peers, have more strained relationships, parental relationships, marital relationships, child relationships, friendships, you name it. And also, we have more mental health struggles. So under all of this pressure, oh wait, (laughs) under all of this pressure, we're also trying to bring about into being a business that is profitable and successful. All of this pressure. Okay, so we just watched uh, a few times now this movie called Encanto. It's Disney's new movie and it's absolutely wonderful. And there's a particular song that completely floored me that I've had on repeat from Pandora. And if you've got kids or you like Disney movies, you've probably watched it. And it's by, it's the strong sister, Luisa. And she sings this, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay. So there's a part of the song that I'm going to share with you right now that I think will totally vibe with you if you're a, an entrepreneur, but also like from the Enneagram standpoint, I'm a three with a wing two and a lot of strong eight characteristics. So the three is the achiever. So I attach my value as a person to my ability to achieve. And then as uh, with a lot of strong eight characteristics, I, you know, that's full of independence and got to do it all on your own. But all right. So it goes pressure like a drip, drip, drip. That'll never stop. Whoa. Pressure that'll tip, tip, tip till you just go pop. Whoa, give it to your sister. It doesn't hurt and see if she can handle every family burden. Watch as she buckles and bends but never breaks. Pressure like a grip, grip, grip and it won't let go. Whoa, pressure like a tick, tick, tick till it's ready to blow. Whoa, Give it to your sister and never wonder if the same pressure would have pulled you under. Who am I if I don't have what it takes? Right? Isn't that the question? Who am I if I don't have what it takes to make this succeed? And so it can cause you to continue just digging in deeper with that sunken cost bias because you've you've got it so tied. You've got it so tied to your personality and, and your identity and who you consider yourself to be. So it's another thing that's important to note is that the entrepreneurship industry, you know, by practice as as a habit almost, doesn't actually encourage the evaluation of opportunities. Just that you engage in an entrepreneurial venture. And I feel like a big flag that indicates that I'm likely correct on this. Ask yourself, when was the last time when you hired a business coach, a business consultant, or a business service provider that they asked you for your business plan? I'll wait. Pretty much never, right? Like nine times out of 10, they don't even ask. And I don't understand as like a business consultant or a coach, like how you can do that. 
And again, I am saying that I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm trying to cast light, understand what it is I'm trying to do. I'm not throwing shade. I'm casting light because guess what? I took on, that was my MO. I, I took on clients without asking for their business plan. So I'm not, sh- I'm not like up here holier than thou. All right. I am not, that's not the point I'm operating from at all. I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm trying to cast light. And so one of the things that I will posit, I put forth before you, my listeners, that the entrepreneurship, the identity, right? The entrepreneur identity is kind of like Venom in the Marvel comic book universe, right? It rarely works like in the case of Eddie and Venom, right? They are like a genetic match and that kind of works. That's like really questionable of it, quote unquote, actually working since they constantly argue about Venom wanting to eat brains, right? Like that is a genuine struggle for Eddie and Venom. Venom wants to go eat brains and he don't want to eat chickens. He wants to eat people brains. So it rarely works in the case of a genetic match like Eddie and Venom. Entrepreneur as an identity actually having a success or entrepreneurship as an identity having a successful entrepreneurial venture. But what it usually does is it ends in the, and I'm going to say metaphorical, death of the host. Right. So you have the entrepreneur identity. You infect a bunch of other people with the entrepreneur identity, but eventually it wrings everything that it can from you. Eventually. Right. Eventually, for the vast majority of people, they're just done. They're just done and they feel like failures. And honestly, I don't think that they should because they weren't set up for success. Remember those hard pills that I had you swallow at the beginning of this episode? I'm going to remind you of them. Most entrepreneurial ventures fail. Most businesses take two to three years to see profitability. And for information entrepreneurs like many of us, it may take up to five years. And that's if you're consistently working towards the maturity of a venture. Not if you pivot every 90 days because you've bought a new coaching program, right? And so that's what I mean. Like eventually you just have nothing left. And that is the metaphorical proverbial death of the host in this case. I know I'm such a Marvel nerd. I had to do it. So a question. And please remember, if these questions, if you're like, no, Ruthie, I totally I am. No, mm," just write it down and critically evaluate your emotional and mental response to the question. But is your business fueling economic growth or is it another form of conspicuous consumption for your clients? Remember, to increase their entrepreneur identity survivability instead of actual economic outcomes for their entrepreneurial ventures. And for you as the business owner, did you evaluate the viability of your chosen entrepreneurial entrepreneurial venture based on its own merit? or based on its entwinement, its entanglement with your entrepreneur identity. Entrepreneurship as an identity has shifted the focus away from actual technical skill and business acumen to the delusion that mindset and identity work is the only thing that you need. Well, actually, and a funnel, right? Because I heard that we're all just one funnel away, right? Did you hear that? I heard that, that we're all just one funnel away. So I'll just, I'll leave it on that kind of joking, laughing note a little bit. I know that this episode was a little heavy. Maybe listen to it again. And my DMs are always open. And keep in mind, like, I am not, I'm not throwing shade. I'm trying to cast some light. We have to answer these questions if we're going to, you know, move our industry forward. Talk to you again soon. 
for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Defy the Status Quo Biz, and the link is in this episode's description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.